1: to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. And I'm just feeling uh, just extra bouncy today. I, I, me <laughs> well, wait, why,
2: Nate? Are you feeling extra bouncy? Or why did I have to call you to see if uh, Cloud9 had those two extra table reservations for you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I think I have hinted on this podcast, we've... We've been under a cloud, uh, a a cloud of uh, medical bad news for quite some time now. Uh, Imaging months ago showed a suspicious mass in Ali's right lung, Uh, we've been following that. Uh, The doctor has been telling us, warning us, uh, all the signs point to cancer. And uh, we actually went so far as to make an appointment with a thoracic surgeon and get ready for very invasive surgery because this thing is located in the lower lobe of the lung. Tunnel. Right.
2: So you were told that you know you had a thirty percent chance it would be okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was kind of the good news that we got a couple of weeks ago. We've been yo-yoed back and forth. At one point, I was given to believe that it was almost certainly cancer. Then that then then the doctor said, you know, it's not a slam dunk. Maybe a thirty percent chance. It's not still. Got to be ready for uh, the bad news. The decision was made to go ahead and biopsy the lung. That was done on Tuesday of last week. We waited forever for the news. It arrived on Friday, and the news was.
2: 30, okay. 30% was way more than you needed. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, doctor's I mean. doctor's
1: best guess is there's an inflammation due to some sort of airborne fungus. Uh, not life-threatening and uh we can cancel you know we, uh, believe me we had run all the way down that morbid road
2: uh, and and this has been a number of times. i mean you've gone through breast cancer you've gone through heart well, stuff have, but she has. Yeah, you you it. both have gone through this yeah. like a, i i get what you're saying but uh what jeez what an amazing relief
1: it really was, and uh, you know, our family, the kids had come, everybody was here to be supportive when the bad news came, and the news was great.
3: Hmm. So,
2: so there's been much rejoicing and in the Larkin party, home.
1: Yeah, I've been surrounded by kids and grandkids, and we've just had a grand time.
2: Wow. That is, that's amazing.
1: So my uh, travel plans are on. You know, I've just been putting off every invitation to say, I just don't know what I'm going to be able to do for the rest of the year. Now it's opened up and I'm really looking forward to productive year.
2: That's amazing. Well, uh, yay. I mean, even when you wrote to me, I was like, I don't know how to respond to this. (laughs) It's, you know, it's been like months now of just the cloud. And you're like, yep. That's, there's no words for how that must feel (laughs) to you. I know how it feels to us. Uh, And I went in and told our kids and Jenny and they were all rejoicing and still thought, yep, still not even close to how it must feel in the Larkin household right now. Really awesome.
1: Well, uh, family is everything. And, uh, and there's something about, uh, you know, when you, you really do become one flesh when you're married. Uh, and that's good news and bad news. It means that you endure each other's pain. And Allie has endured mine and continues to. Uh, My addiction affects her. Mm -hmm. My recovery affects her. Uh, Her recovery affects me. And, uh, you know, we're together in sickness and in health. And we have some guests coming up in this episode of the podcast. They're going to maybe be able to speak to kind of these issues even more eloquently than you or I.
2: Yeah. I, boy we've both been asked often what is there for the women mm-hmm. I mean geez this has been yeah. I'm, I make a comment later about the different women's groups that have been started but I'm not kidding this has been like how do we get this going yeah. and with the virtual meetings now it really feels like it's starting to get some traction yeah. and to find a good women's group and, and I've seen some bad ones oh, both they can get, yes. yeah and and I'm not saying it's just women's groups guys groups can as well but uh, having counseled women who are struggling with women's groups that really make their process worse I've seen that mm-hmm. I also used to do sound at women's conferences oh, oh my gosh Uh This this is the mid-90s. I'm Uh sure they're better now. This is like 1995, 96. I would sit there and listen to a speaker just rip husbands apart. That husbands were kind of the punchline. And everyone knew, well, it's just a joke. But I'd be sitting there going, no. I mean, I get that it's a joke. But everybody's kind of winking going, our husbands are that stupid. And I just thought, man, this isn't helpful. Yeah. Like, this isn't helping you ladies. It's not helping your husband. Why? It's an easy target. Yeah. Uh, so I think ever since then, I was young in my marriage. I thought, where are the groups of women that, you know, I don't need husbands to be let off the hook. I just want women that are inspiring each other to to awesome gospel things. Yes. That's yes. what I want. Right. And so this conversation today was so encouraging just to, to hear some gospelicious words uh, from a group of women who are walking down a path of healing and Jesus is still a part of it and their husband doesn't have to be the ultimate evil, that he's, he's a part of their life and their growth in discovering Jesus. But before we get to that, you've got something. You're going to Florida. I'm going to California. And you're going to Florida. Yeah, I got a great
1: phone call today from one of our Florida brothers, and I'm actually going to use his last name because he's, he's, he's going public, and he's going public in a big way. John Sidlowski called me today, and in the course of our conversation, he let me know that he is actually going to be the speaker at the July meeting, July 11th, as a matter of fact, of the uh, Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, John, by the way, is the managing partner of Whitestone. Or Whitestone, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Uh, professionals, a 35-year career as a corporate controller and CFO. Uh, at this July relationship-building lunch, he's going to tell his story of broken promises, severe mercies, and redemption. Hmm. Uh, and the Chamber of Commerce is actually uh, allowing him to set up a Samson Society table, uh, so that anybody. Um, touched by that presentation. Anybody who might relate in any way to John's story and might want to follow up will have a place to go. I was so excited to get this news that I immediately made my plane reservations and signed up for the lunch. I'm going.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. I wish I could go with you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, John has invited Samson Brothers uh, in the closest groups there for him in Orlando, uh, Central Florida. But any Samson guy who needs an excuse. A reason to hang with some other guys uh, on a Thursday. I'm going to fly down and back on the same day, but I'll spend most of the day in Orlando looking forward. Uh, Shoot. uh, If you're interested in going and you'd like the details, just uh, shoot a message to podcast at gmail.com, and I'll let you know how to sign up for the Chamber of Commerce luncheon in Orlando on the 11th of July. love to hang with any Samson guys who show.
2: Hey, what are you doing this Saturday? This Saturday? Yeah
1: i'm not i don't know don't have to do, with you, me. do you
2: feel like maybe it's nothing
1: maybe nothing
2: like i'm talking 10 in the morning
1: okay probably nothing what's okay that,
2: what's happening well I'm, I'm just saying if anybody's in within reach uh, i kind of want to ever since we frisbee golfed uh-huh. in uh in scotland yes. there is one of the best disc golf courses 10 minutes from my house in Murfreesboro really? at the Barfield I mean seriously Barfield okay. that's rough the Barfield Crescent Park uh-huh. beautiful 18 holes through the woods I, I just thought hey do you want to come on Saturday at 10 and then afterwards go to the Green Dragon Pub and anybody else that's within reach can come for a couple hours of disc golfing and going to the pub
1: all right, nothing like a last-minute invitation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just love doing this right now. You're saying stuff that you're doing. I'm making stuff up myself. Okay. Do you want right. to do it?
1: Okay. Uh, t- tentative to, uh, y- yes, I'm going to get a tentative yes, subject to a veto from my wife.
2: Okay, so unless Allie says no, and then I can't talk her out of that no, uh, so any other guy that wants to go to Barfield, Crescent, something or other park in Murfreesboro, uh, 10 o'clock.
1: Murfreesboro, Tennessee.
2: Tennessee, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to fly there, you can. But 10 o'clock, I'll bring as many discs as I have. Okay. You know, it's not a ton. Uh, But there it is, 10 o'clock this Saturday. It's happening. Fair
1: warning to anybody who's coming. I have played disc golf with Aaron, and he's an animal. Uh, Nobody uh, else came close.
2: Well, yeah. I was an animal eat- uh, a decade ago. Now, you know. You, you, never mind it'll be fine we can do a handicap it'll just be fun we'll do that go to green dragon it's going to be awesome uh but now that that's planned out you're going to florida i'm going to barfield and we're going to come right back with some ladies doing some amazing things here on the pirate monk podcast
0: Welcome to the planet. Welcome to existence.
1: And we are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. This, Aaron, is a milestone. Milestone. Now we have Ebenezer, a pile of rocks. We have occasionally, actually recently, quite frequently had women guests on the show. But we have never to this point had eight women on the show as guests simultaneously. Never happened that's true and the amazing thing is that all of them have a direct relationship to the samson society even though of course none of them are members because samson is a is a a boys only it's a a boys only club it's a he-man woman haters club obviously (laughs) 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 all right um i got news through the grapevine uh i think tom mocha was the one who kind of uh clued me in some months ago that um wives of guys who were in virtual meetings, I think it started with wives and now it's expanded. It's not all just wives, but wives of men in virtual meetings, Samson meetings, were starting to talk and that they actually had started really to meet together. And I think the ringleader, at least one of the primary prime movers in this thing, was Ben's <laughs> wife, Erin. And, and listeners,
2: it's not that, these women couldn't talk before like they were mute and then their husbands went to a meeting and something miraculous happened but started to
1: develop community community yeah that's the thing yeah they connected they found that they had something in common all of these women most of these women had married idiots like me and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm got nothing to say to that no 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 and uh, but they found that there was something to be gained by talking together uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask uh, Aaron has joined us I shoot I said a last name I was not supposed to say a last name was I Aaron it's okay are you sure okay I'm not going to say any I more can, last I names. Can, I can bleep it out if you want I repent Aaron from with saying e. last name okay Aaron uh Aaron who I'm seeing for the first time uh, <laughs> here on, on the screen in the zoom meeting Aaron can you tell us how this happened what's the backstory?
4: Yeah, so, um, you know, my husband was going to in-person meetings um, and, you know, we've got small kids. Um, The in-person meetings were hard for him to get to. He wanted something more. um, So he found Samson Society and it was incredibly um, helpful for him in his journey. Um, which I was really grateful for. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I was almost um, a little bitter about the fact that he was making these connections and, and really healing. Um, and I felt kind of stuck um, mm. because I was trying to go to some in-person meetings um, that you know had recently, a group that had recently started up but again, I, you know, I work full time, I have, um, small kids. Um, so it was hard for me to leave, you know, to go to these meetings, um, drive 45 minutes there, go to an hour meeting, drive 45 minutes back. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of making me a little bit more bitter about it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I was talking to my husband, and I'm like, it would be really nice if, women could do the same thing you know because for all these men who are attending the samson meetings there's a lot of women who are hurt and you know need this kind of connection too um and he's like well if that's something that you want then make it happen (laughs) um and i'm not one to turn down a challenge um and he was right you know i just needed to kind of do it and i think that it's been incredibly helpful to have a community of women who are going through the exact same thing that
3: I am.
1: Wow. This is something really, by the way, that I have been praying for and dreaming of for a very long time. It's a question I've very often gotten when I've, uh, when I've gone out to speak, you know, what do we have for women? Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And, uh, and I've said, you know, I don't, we don't have anything. And I know that uh, I'm not the guy to start it. God's going to have to do this, and he's going to have to use women to make it happen. And there have been a couple of uh, attempts made in yeah, the past. we had the,
2: what was the, the Delilah something? Uh, <laughs> no, we did, and, the, and the, the... I think the Rachel, Rachel the, Society, yeah. And the Chick Monks. We the had chi- the Chick Monks <laughs> at one point. That didn't last
1: very long. <laughs> the Samsonettes. No, none of that worked. No, uh, but... To see that this online group has actually found traction Mm -hmm. to me is such a huge encouragement. All right. Uh, Well, thank you, by the way. So you put the word out, Aaron, to the women in your fellowship, uh, because I made a request. Once I heard about this group, I wanted to get you on the podcast uh, to spread the news and to kind of hear the story. You put the word out to uh, the women in your circle and ask if anybody would be willing to kind of step up and represent, and you had a few volunteers, and yeah. so, ah, right this is you. great, so we have with us yeah. today, we have B. hello B. we have Anna, thank you for joining us, Anna, Rhonda is here, uh, and uh, let me see, Rebecca, and uh, I have a hard time reading, I, uh, my eyes are bad, oh, Keturah is with us, that's right, and Ebony is here. Thank you, ladies, along with uh, with Aaron. Thank you for joining us. We we Thanks floated for some, us. We floated some questions out there to just to kind of get you thinking. You wanna be the sure. master of ceremonies well, here, geez. Aaron? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: All right, so first question that we had, and we've got a couple of you that have responded was how aware were you of your husband's issues before you got married? So how many of you were surprised you got married and you went, Wow. My husband's got stuff going on that I didn't know about. Uh, B, you want to start with that? But you have to unmute first. Yeah. She's still muted. Still muted.
5: My bad. That's all
2: right.
6: (laughs) Froze up for a second. So we're going over the first question, right? Yeah. So um, I was not aware at all. Had no clue. um, Did not know going in that, that this would be our path. Um, I wrote down my answer, so I'll read that first. We did go through some issues early in our marriage, and my husband thought that maybe when he was younger, he hadn't accepted Christ fully, like maybe that change hadn't happened. And so he settled his salvation with our pastor at the time and um, thought that would take care of the issue that he hadn't had labeled as an addiction as of yet. Mm-hmm. Actually, that just came very recently. So we've been married for 23 years in September. So Mm. 23 years ago, we had no idea that we were dealing with an addiction. We just, he knew that something was going on and he couldn't, he felt like he couldn't control it. Um, So he settled his salvation. He has no questions about that, but that did not for him fix the issue that he was
2: facing was that real quick was that hard for you to like process okay we're talking about addiction you're talking about oh i'm having uh, i'm having behaviors that i feel like i can't control like for me when somebody says oh i have a behavior i can't control my first impulse is to say well then get a hold of it and control it like that's you know (laughs) that's a rough thing to understand if that wasn't a part of your understanding before
6: Right. It wasn't, I'm a very um, sunshine and roses and rainbows kind of person. So I'm, I think everything comes as easy to everybody as it does to me. And it, it just didn't, mm-hmm. he just, he couldn't, he he didn't have the tools that he needed to get the help that he needed. And we didn't know what kind of help to look for. I just thought, you know, stop doing what you're doing and it'll be fine. And it, and it wasn't. Oh,
2: wow. Okay. Katura, you had some, some thoughts as well.
7: Um, I also did not know um, when we got married we were actually married um, I think right at eight years when um, it all kind of hit the fan at one time
3: mm. um,
7: and it it was just it, the whole the whole season that we were in was very um, stressed anyway um, so that added to our situation <laughs>
2: yeah so how i'm that... in
7: church ministry so that adds a whole other level you know where you're on a pedestal yes. things like that don't happen to you um so for us or for me in particular that's something that until aaron started the group i i was in the dark for a good year or so And did all of that on my own.
1: Oh my, yeah. And that's a lonely path, isn't it? Quite. Yeah,
2: yeah. Is this uh, just? Am I allowed to go off script? I don't do scripts well. Okay, Nate's got a script. Can I go? Is everybody okay? Give me a thumbs up if I'm (laughs) allowed to. Oh, good. Uh, So, when I've talked to groups of women about this, they've often mentioned small groups they were in where they didn't want to talk about this what if that was your experience what was the fear of okay I'm starting to see there's an issue I don't know how to talk about it I'm afraid I'm the only one I'm afraid I'm gonna be judged like what's going through your mind that other women would say oh okay yeah that's exactly my deal I want you to predict it, what exactly is every woman's deal that's listening. Go. <laughs>
7: um, I, in my experience, it, there wasn't a safe space to say anything about that. Yeah. Um, and I would even say that I don't know that a whole lot of people around me um, personally probably know anything about it. Still, and it's been two years, almost two and a half years, something like that. Um, that's not something that we talk about because people don't get it. It
2: well that's why did you yeah. think or how did you know that it, it wasn't a safe space? Was there something that you saw or was it just a fear?
7: Um I think that people people can I think this goes back to what B was saying. If if you're an alcoholic, somebody's gonna say, "Okay, just stop drinking,"
3: mm-hmm.
7: and and that's gonna be that. Um, you know, if whatever your addiction is, it's oh, we'll just put it down. Yeah. It's you know, but you're walking around with a lot of stuff that's in your head that nobody knows about, and some of it is emotional issues that you have to take care of. There's, there's a whole lot of healing that has to happen involved in that. It's not just a situation of just stop drinking.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
7: Just stop. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more to it.
2: Yeah. Any other experiences that you, you all had with what you felt kind of pushed you into isolation that you felt like, ah, nobody's going to get this. Hmm. Hmm.
6: I would say that when you have a a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or whatever the addiction is that is mainstream, that it's very easy to find help and it's very easy to get support from the people around you. But when you have an addiction that is private and personal, like a sexual addiction, a pornography addiction, whatever, whatever the broad scope of that sex addiction is, it's it's a it feels like a, a much it's lonelier because it's not, it's not talked about widely and it's not accepted as even to this day in 2019. If I say we're dealing with a sexual addiction, people look at you like you're crazy Mm -hmm. and and that it's not a real thing and it's not a valid um, addiction. And, Mm -hmm. and I I know there are strides being taken towards it becoming more real and, and more mainstream, but but
3: it's not for how many yet. of
2: you I mean you know if somebody's spouse is drinking or doing drugs that's their thing that's their need but the fact that it has to do with sexuality it includes you for For how many of you do you feel like wow that's some indictment about me and my unworthiness does that feel Absolutely. like that's true yeah yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah
2: that's hard I, f- I that's feel like everyone needs to unmute just to unmute everybody unmute <laughs> everybody just say stuff
1: it's good
8: <laughs> just say stuff yeah so i i will say that um i felt pretty blessed and i felt pretty covered when i found out about my husband's addiction in the sense that i've kind of felt the opposite like i never really questioned what it was about me that hmm. caused this problem Mm -hmm. Right. I kind of made up my mind from the very beginning. And I can remember having a conversation with my pastor where I literally said to him, I am not taking the blame for this. I did not do anything wrong and I am not at fault. And so that's been my mindset for the past two years, I would say, since I've known. Um, But every, every support group or anything that I have been a part of, the majority of the women I would say have said that this finding out about this issue has made them question yeah. themselves,
2: well, geez. which is
8: pretty normal.
2: How, how do you teach the rest of us? How do you think like that? Cause that is not normal. <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and preach it. No, but it's right. It, yeah, it's right. It's it it is right. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. no, I'm not saying it's wrong. Just tell, tell the rest of us. We yeah. want to know. Yeah.
8: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have, I, I have no idea really, but, imagine um like I already feel like there's this huge problem and while I'm not taking responsibility for it I go to support groups and the majority of the women can bond even over a simple fact that it has made me question myself and made me feel this way and then some days I still feel like an outsider like I'm still searching for a place to belong because that isn't my experience yeah
2: yeah, boy, so even having that confidence makes you feel like an outsider with people.
8: <laughs> right, is, just, somebody, is there something wrong with me? Should I, should no, I it just sucks
2: right? to be a girl sometimes. That's how I feel. <laughs> uh, so th- this is, I mean, this is complicated. You've just touched on the complexity of this experience that here you are dealing with the same thing that five other people might deal with but how you feel about yourself within the same experience can make you feel isolated. So where right. do you find the connection? How do you walk through this without judging one another or feeling judged? What, where do you go? I'm, I'm dying to know. Guys are so much more simple, I got to say. And that's, that's a beautiful thing for you guys. It's a beautiful thing for us. But how do you navigate that, Ebony? You're you're, you're blowing my mind.
8: Uh, yeah, I'm sorry.
2: Can you repeat the question. <laughs> yeah. How do you navigate the complexity of you can have the same situation, but even within that, feel isolated if you feel like I'm being judged because I don't feel the same things within the same situation that the other five people, and I'm only making it five people? What if there's 15 people? That's even more complex. How do you walk through that with one another? How what would you tell a woman is her hope that she can find community where she finds safety even within a group of women that don't feel or experience the exact same thing she does? How do you give her hope that there is safety in community?
8: You know, I would probably tell her to look at the bigger picture because there are so many micro parts to these experiences for all of us. But the, the big picture really is that I am looking for a place to belong with people who have experienced at least some of the same things that I have experienced and they are learning to navigate it the same way that I am. So even though some of the experiences are different, obviously the big picture is still the same and it's just that we want a safe place to come to and to say whatever it is that we need to say and get the support that we need just so that we can get through another day. Mm
1: And I love the fact that each of you brings your own perspective to the experience. Uh, I know that's why I go to meetings, uh, because uh, if I try to deal with my addiction just on my own, I lose track of the horizon. I get sideways. I need, uh, I need the input of other people who are facing the same addiction to help straighten out my thinking. So that's great. All right. Hey, I have another question. Yeah, do it. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to know um, what is the biggest challenge that you face of – what's the toughest thing, the biggest challenge about being married to or in relationship with? Uh, because one of the ladies here in our group today is not married to a sex addict, but her son is one. So boom, she's in the, she's in the middle of the, of the same situation. What's the biggest challenge uh, that comes from being uh, in relationship with somebody – with a sex addiction. I wonder, Aaron, would you would you speak to that?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I can sometimes be very easily overwhelmed just by the idea that there isn't really an end or a particular solution to his addiction. Um, you know, it it certainly changes um, and you know has has gotten so much better in, in a lot of different ways over time. Um, But as somebody who wants to fix and finish things, it's, it's hard for me to swallow, you know, that this is a journey.
3: yeah.
4: Um, And it's, it's not necessarily a linear one. Um, I'm somebody who wants to just keep moving forward and just by its very nature, this is something where sometimes it feels like, you know, we take a step back and then two steps forward and, you know, um, it's, always changing. Um early on in the process, I wanted someone to tell me how I was supposed to feel and you know what we were supposed to do to fix all of this and for it to be okay. Um, I wanted to read some kind of manual. I wanted to read a book that was going to tell me how to how to make it all better, how to fix it. Mm. Um, And over time I've really learned that it just it doesn't work like that. Um, But that that's okay. Because I think by doing it the way we are, um, real healing is taking place, both for him personally, for me personally, for our marriage, um, and that, you know, what we're experiencing now is actually authentic and genuine, and that's where I see that God is working for our good, Hmm. Um, and I'm learning to be okay with the fact that this is not, <laughs> this is not a straight shot. It's not yeah. a linear journey. It's
2: a process, um,
9: and and we're moving. We're yeah. moving forward.
2: Anna, you had something you wanted to add?
9: Yeah, just thinking about um, the challenge of being married to a man who battles addiction, like you said, and thinking that finding out about the addiction and finding out that um, this was his coping mechanism yeah, for right. dealing any and all of life's big and little stresses and so moving forward in recovery i feel like it's a really big challenge for me to i'm always having him out of the corner of my eye like is he okay because if he's having a problem his default coping mechanism was this Mm. so there's that's really challenging for me like i just want his path to be smooth i don't want any bumps in the road because I'm afraid that um, his coping mechanism will just go back to his default. And that's just not life. Like, life is not smooth sailing. And so um, that's been a big challenge for me in my marriage.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it can, uh, the temptation has got to be for you then to kind of step in and take more control than you should over his life or try to. Yeah, to get into what is sometimes called an old-fashioned language, codependency, to manage not only your life but his, to manage his addiction in order to minimize the danger of relapse. Would you say that that's a...
9: Absolutely, yeah, That that is a big temptation.
1: Yeah, wow, wow. Um, but I think what I heard Aaron say was that as challenging as it is, uh, there are ways in which this journey has actually enriched your marriage is that anybody else's experience is it is it, it are there ways in which your relationship has improved now that you're aware of the addiction and are kind of somehow now been uh coerced on a journey you didn't sign up for but here you are coerced
2: on a journey you didn't sign up for okay rebecca i'm ready
5: Yeah. So there's been a disconnect between my husband's words and then my gut, which is super, um, I'm just a very intuitive person. And so those have been misaligned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's still, we're still very much in the process, but um, that has, at least we're on a journey toward just the enrichment of that integration of, I don't I learned not to trust myself and just believe his words. Um, uh. and then you, you get where I'm going with that. So, um, now it's, it's, I'm trusting God to reveal what I need to know when I need to know it.
2: Mm-hmm. How, uh, boy, that's such a huge thing. And I'm, I'm thinking of even Ali's story that she's talked about where she stopped Trusting herself, I mean, sure, yeah. she would have said almost those exact same words. Allie's my wife, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, how do you first? How do you come out of losing trust for yourself to finding a place where uh, you feel okay again? I mean, that's that's a that's a core kind of thing. You're saying mm-hmm. you're learning to trust God. But you're also learning to trust yourself because a lot of the things you're describing, you were right, but you stopped trusting yourself even when you were right. That's confusing, too. So can you give us a little more about how you come out of that?
5: Yeah, it wasn't graceful Um, as the pendulum. So the other end of that is hypervigilance. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where it got out of hand. You know, that's where the control came in. That's where I just couldn't continue doing life in that place anymore. And so, you know, God's grace is that he put me with people who have been through this, who can help guide me in that sort of thing. And so I am finding that peace and my identity in him to where this gut thing, like it's a gift from him. And so I'm finding that balance in surrendering to him and asking him to reveal it through my gut, which he gave me, you know, Mm -hmm. to be a gift to be used, Um, but finding it in the center, not at either one of those ends of the spectrum of the spectrum, which are extremes.
1: Oh, that's just so beautiful. So beautiful. What
2: are some other gifts some of you have found in the midst of this, that it wasn't just about, Oh, I found out my husband is a complete screw up. And so now I will navigate his idiocy, but you found out, Oh wait, this was actually a, a portal into some important stuff from myself. If nobody has anything, I'm going to Um, feel,
9: um, I, yeah, I think that, um, it put us on like the same team about something like in a really big way of like, we, by the grace of God, like it became clear very early on that we were going to, like, we were going to fight for our marriage and that we needed to do it together and that I needed to be on his team and, um. That's been really hard because it does feel like, you know, I'm the victim. He's the bad guy sometimes. But then to think that, no, like I can encourage him with the gospel when there's nothing to be said, when, when your husband like confesses like a slip to you, you can't just say like, oh, that's okay. Cause it's not okay. Um, But you're on his team. So you have to remind him of what's true and what's true is Jesus died for that Mm -hmm. and what's true is like repentance is the path forward and like just to be fighting on that team and just to when I'm down he can encourage me and when he's down I can encourage him and we've never had to fight for something like in such like a life or death way together and that I mean that's really been really good for our marriage.
2: So you went back to the identity that Rebecca was talking about, that that was core for you as a wife. You're saying that's also core for
1: you as a wife to give to your husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you, my experience in recovery is that, uh, you know, this journey opened doors and windows on the gospel that I had never seen. It did the same for my wife. Uh, and we found I think our marriage survived because as Ali sometimes says we came to the point where we understood that we are sinners in equal need of grace and the gospel really came alive to us in a way it hadn't in like real rubber meets the road terms anybody else had that experience Uh, has your understanding of the gospel broadened or changed since this whole story began to unfold for you?
9: I have more I could say about it, but... Please do. (laughs) Go ahead, Anna. I mean, I just think that, like, when everything blew up for me, um, when I found out, then it just kind of hit me that if, if the gospel's not true for this bad of a sin, then it's not true for any of it. Wow. It's not true for anybody's sin. And, and my like tame sins um, that don't look as egregious on the outside. It's like if, but if the gospel is not true for adultery and pornography, then it's not true for my sin. And so just like seeing that um, really impacted like the way that I view forgiveness and the way that I view the cross and what Jesus did for me. Because forgiving f- sin has been so painful. Sorry, I said my husband's name. Maybe I'll
2: bleep it out. I'll try to remember all these bleeps I have to do, but I'll bleep it.
9: Yeah, thanks. Forgiving my husband's sin has been really painful, but then to think, like, God gave his son to die on the cross for my sin, and that has been transformative for me, and my counselor told me, um, I went to a biblical counselor, and she told me every time thought pops into your head how could he do that how could he have done that to me because that was just played in my mind over and over how could he do this to me to substitute the thought how could god love me this way and just that has changed my life and um this changed the way i look at all of it
2: wow that's i, I I wish everyone could be a fly on the wall as you went through the process to figure that out because it's so true, but man, that is, that's is—that's a really unbelievably hard journey because you're not minimizing a sin, but you're maximizing grace, and it always feels like, oh, to maximize grace is to minimize sin, which is why they said mm-hmm. to Paul, like, what, so now sin can abound because grace is so great? And he's like, by no means, of course not. what so I'm saying, and yet that's always where our mind goes. For grace to get bigger mm-hmm. means sin doesn't matter. It does matter. I mean, just what you described so well, that's really hard to come to terms with. Have any of you, B, you keep, you're nodding in a way that says you have something <laughs> to say. Just say it, just say it later. Well,
3: I,
6: I just want to say, uh, my husband has read a lot of books, tons of books, and Grace is Greater, we both read, And I would have to say probably one of the best books we've ever read on grace. And through, we've had two major, um, incidents, I guess both times I was flabbergasted and didn't know what was going on. But, um, the first time we didn't handle it well, we didn't even through the counsel that we were given, but the second time we did things very differently. And, um, and I wanted to say, you know, like Anna was saying, God doesn't see levels of sin. We have levels of, we have different levels of punishment, maybe for different sins or whatever, but to God, sin is sin, is sin, is sin. And, and grace covers it all. Grace is greater than every sin. And like Anna was saying, I can't give my husband less grace because his sin offended me. I mean, that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. And I can't give my husband less grace because this particular sin is so awful, but I have to give God's grace with God's power because and in God's strength because I can't do it on my own. I can't give grace without God giving grace. And, and as you're going through this process and your husband has this addiction and he's working on it and he's free after confession, and he's doing great, and we're encased in the reality that our marriage isn't what we thought it was, and we're facing fears, and we're facing um, we're facing those internal battles that, that we share with us, but it's hard to share with the world. We have to remember that grace is greater. Grace is greater than his addiction. It's greater than my fear. It's greater than anything that Satan throws at us to try to dissolve our marriage and grace is just greater period nothing else grace is greater
1: oh man <laughs> i've been to church that's awesome <laughs> uh, look uh time is flying here
2: but uh, there are some uh, i've got two more questions so whatever you're saying i'm adding two questions to the end of
1: it all right go ahead and ask your two questions and then i i want to hear more about the group and how it runs
2: <laughs> Okay, that was one of my questions. So, uh, But the first question is, uh, I was just talking to a wife this week that was trying to find a group of women that felt like it dealt with things honestly but also didn't tear down her husband. That she was a part of women's groups that felt like, hey, we get together and the, the coolest thing we do is kick men's asses together. Yes! <laughs> Tell me how this becomes a healing experience because the goal is to grow deeper in love with both Jesus and your husbands. uh, And I'm sure you've had the other experiences. So explain what I should tell that lady. She's probably going to be listening to this right now.
4: (laughs) Well, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I think our group does a really good job of taking, you know, experiences that we're having and, and listening, not necessarily preaching, you know, you should do this, you should do that, but, but merely relating in terms of what we've also been through and what has worked for us and what hasn't worked for us. Um, And also we're not always talking about, you know, our husband per se, you know, it's, it's about us. Um, Mm. It's things that we're going through. I think one of biggest blessings that's come out of this for for me um personally is the fact that you know at, at the beginning of this whole process I was really quick to play the victim and, and blame my husband for for everything. Um, and you know I, I'm not taking any responsibility for his addiction or saying it's my my fault or anything, anything like that, but it has very much encouraged me to examine parts of myself that need healing. Um, parts of me that were hurt, um, long before my husband, um, came into the picture and, you know, parts that were maybe re-injured, um, if you want to call it that, you know, by his addiction. Um, but these are things that I need to deal with, um, too. And these are all things that I find a lot of the women in the group have in common with me. And so we can talk about those things that we're dealing with personally that, you know, are not necessarily, um, you know, all about our husband and the addiction itself.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow.
4: Um, like just experiencing as as wives, as mothers, just as women um, trying to navigate this journey.
1: Nice. I, I wonder, uh, time is flying here, and I, I, I want to... Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I assume you guys have meetings, you have regular meetings. I'd like to know a little bit about how those meetings run and then what happens between the meetings. Who would like to speak to that?
4: Yeah, so um, we do have meetings. Um, We're actually in the process of adding two um, more meetings. Right now we just have them on Thursday nights, but we're adding a Sunday night meeting and a Tuesday night meeting. Um, you know, as our group's getting bigger and we have more people, mm-hmm. you know, that feel comfortable hosting the meetings, um, we're growing. Um, and then in between the meetings, we have GroupMe, um, you know, similar to um, what the Samsung guys have. And honestly, I think that's our best means of communication because um, you know everybody's situation is different. Where you know, working during the day or staying home with kids during the day or, you know, at night cooking dinner when their meetings are running or putting kids to bed. Um, so sometimes the meetings can be hard to commit to. Um, so GroupMe is a great place for people to be able to say like, hey, I've had a particularly awful day and here's why and um, mm. be able to to talk about those things um, in between the meetings. Mm.
1: Uh, I'm just going to, playing a little bug in your ear are there any plans Mm -hmm. yet to get the women together like in the same space someday have you dreamed about it if you haven't start dreaming
4: yeah Uh, no i've thought a lot about that especially as my husband's been talking about the upcoming retreat yeah um well you know in the fall um and he's getting really excited for that and i'm excited for him i know when he went last fall it was an incredible experience for him um And so, yeah, I think that would be something awesome for
1: us to be able to do. Oh, it'd be so great. I got to tell you, my favorite part of the Samson retreat last year, I think I've said it here on the podcast, is watching guys get to hug their best friends for the first time. And, uh, yeah, so you guys already have relationships, and those relationships are going to deepen, and you can put a little frosting on the cake when sometime you can all get together. Oh, how beautiful that would But be. you're not
2: baking cakes just because you're women. Maybe you're pouring concrete.
1: Maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, Nate struggles with this. Uh, I'm always making these you know, <laughs> sexist generalizations, aren't I? Uh, so
2: how do chairman. how do other ladies, if they're listening to this, go, on, okay, I want in. I want I'm, in. I yeah. want yeah. I in on the group, me.
1: I want in on the groups. What do they do? Do we have an answer to that yet? Is there an on-ramp? Can we tell them anything?
4: My audio just uh, cut out.
1: Oh, it did. Okay. Okay.
2: So the question was, if women want to get involved, they want in on these meetings, they want in on the group me, what do they do? What's the on-ramp? How do they get there?
4: So the easiest way um, for that is to email me at, um, can I give the email address? Yeah, oh, please. Yes. yes. Okay. So it's T O.
1: Women2717 at gmail.com. Women2Women2717 um, at gmail.com. Yep. Wow.
3: Yep.
1: That's, so you went to Princeton. Okay. I went to junior college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that for all of 15 seconds. So, so uh, it's uh, enough. You're going to write it down. It's going to go in the show notes. <laughs> it's in the show notes. Okay. And then I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm so that, because <laughs> I know I'm going to be asked for that email address a lot.
2: Yeah. This is certainly something that comes up. And it has been so fun to actually see your faces while we do this, by the way. Uh, oh. I was only slightly concerned. Ebony, though, I only see your name. But I saw you I earlier. I saw earlier. So it's okay. She's real. Okay. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's
8: good. Wait, I'll fix
2: it. <laughs> hey. I'll fix it. <laughs> hey. There you are. All right. <laughs> It's right. It's been great. I actually was really worried about the chaos and the circus of having this many of you On the show today, but it's been fantastic. It's been so nice to see all of you, and I really want to hear an update, especially after your first retreat when you all get together. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, ladies, and uh, God bless your work. Uh, This Mm. is uh, the collateral damage from this tsunami that has swept through our culture is enormous. I'm focused on uh, the addicts themselves, most of them men, of course our work is only with men, but I'm well aware in a way that I wasn't by the way during my years of active addiction I actually thought in my insanity that because my behavior was secret it wasn't affecting anybody but me. I had no idea what I was doing to my wife and to my kids. Uh, Now that I'm aware I am very conscious of the enormous need for healing uh, outside the, uh, the addicted community. And uh, I just I can't begin to express how grateful I am and optimistic I am for the future, knowing that God has called you, you've responded, you're being honest, uh, you're taking advantage of these wonderful technological tools, and you, I can tell, are doing the deal. This is real. All right. Thank you, ladies. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
0: the silence crept over me
2: And we are back on the Pirate Monk
1: podcast. <sighs> uh, yeah, I what a great experience. I got to I got to be in a virtual meeting again today. But with a bunch of ladies, and it's just so clear from their conversation that they're actually doing it. You can tell these are yeah. real relationships between women. There's there's no bullshit here. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, it's not that posing and pretending that so very often happens among Christians of both genders. Yes. And uh, so, it's a beautiful thing. So check it out. We've got the
2: uh, email in the description below okay you're gonna put that i
1: i can't remember I it can't now. i can't
2: remember it now either so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll listen back uh when i'm figuring out how to bleep everybody's names that have been mentioned mm-hmm. uh and if i forget <laughs> if i forget any i'm sorry but i think i remember where they are okay uh but ladies jump in on this i uh, we know you're listening because we've met many of you and check this out um also, we want to hear from you. It has been a while since we've had some questions or comments. We want to uh, we want to hear from you. We want to talk about things you want to talk about.
1: Yep. So communicate with us at any time by sending an email to PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. Uh,
2: give us your thoughts, your questions, your poetry. I mean, come on. We've had some amazing... Stuff written in the last couple months. Exactly. So, yeah, send all of that in. Uh, So we've got a Florida trip coming up. Once again, that is on, was it the 17th?
1: 11th. 11th of January. Of July. (laughs) 11th of July. Oh, There Uh, is a cost, by the way. It's a lunch. It's a great lunch. Uh, First timers, it's a $30 charge. Okay. $30 charge. And it is held at, there's no information here as to where it actually is. Just go to Central
2: Florida and start saying, is, no, I just filtered so many things. I got totally locked up in my brain. Okay. I will find out. I will find out. All right. Nate will send it to me. I'll put those in the notes as well. Uh, This Saturday, 10 o'clock, if you are in anywhere close to the Murfreesboro, Central, Mid, no, it's not Central Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, see, See what I did? There you go. Okay. Okay. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee area. Then come on down to the Barfield Crescent something or other park. And 10 o'clock we will do some disc golfing and afterwards go to my favorite Green Dragon pub.
1: Do we have anything else, Mr. Nate? Uh, I just found the details on where this thing is. It's going to be at First Baptist of Orlando in Faith Hall on the third floor. That's at 3000 South John Young Parkway in Orlando. Okay, okay, awesome. All right, well, I think we have uh, we've we've run the table, haven't we? We've run the table. Yeah, time to wrap this one up. Let's wrap. So I'm Nate. I'm Dr. A. <laughs> so I'm
2: wrapping. It was the best I could come up with on short notice.
1: <laughs> I'm a dog., that's right. And until next time, uh, when n- now I got that all screwed up I'm supposed to be <laughs> God. instead of arg I'm gonna say roof look, no, look don't 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 put any of this don't put any of this on the air we need a decent end it's got to sound somewhat professional oh, and everybody
2: knows this is what's gonna go no, on the end. it's not
1: here on the pirate monk podcast
2: arg <laughs>